Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Well, welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And tonight our guest is uh, bringing forth a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, Ron Hall who was an international art dealer, a speaker, an author, screenwriter of the movie Same Kind of Different as Me, which he ended up writing. Welcome, Ron. Hey, welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm sorry I got my wires crossed, but uh, anyway, uh, I am so happy to be here on your show now. Likewise. Hey, I wanted to tell you that my husband, Todd, and I just recently went to L.A., uh, Hollywood, and while we were there, we ended up being completely surprised because we were on our way to look to find Azusa Street, which was a place where William Seymour had a revival over 100 years ago. And in our process of looking for this, we ended up coming upon what you could call uh, Tent City. Oh, exactly. I I know that well. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually so surprised. I I was blown away. I had no idea. I I even told my husband, uh, get out of here, like now, right now. (laughs) Because everywhere I turned, I was just like, oh, my. And so that was the whole uh, winding of the gears. Um, We had seen the movie the same different kind of me and I was like we need to interview him look at this oh my goodness <laughs> so, uh, when you when we contacted you and then you told us of your new book recently out um, first of all anyone if you haven't seen the movie same different kind of me same kind of different as me <laughs> thank you that correcting me thank you yes yes same uh, kind of different as me if you haven't seen that movie, put it on your must list. Great actors, uh, just a great screenwrite, uh, beautifully done, loved it. Uh, but Thank you. after you see that movie, then pick yourself up the book uh, called Working, Working Our, Way Home. Our Way Home. Yes. Yeah, that, and they will understand that, is, that. After they see the movie, they will understand what that is all about because, uh, well, yeah. I'll tell you. Because my friend Denver in the movie, as you know, is one of the most powerful scenes is, is, uh, is when he tells everybody uh, at a church service, he says, hey, uh, you know, this, uh, this, this earth ain't no final resting place. He says, so whether we're rich or whether we're poor or something in between, we're all homeless, just working our way home. And so when I wrote this new book about the 10 years uh, after uh, uh, my wife died, in fact, this this movie, uh, the movie, when the movie ends, uh, this is when this new book, Working Our Way Home, begins. Because my homeless friend moved in with me and lived with me for the next 10 years. We shared a life together as the ultimate odd couple. And it's a beautiful story of hope and redemption and friendship. And so I really, uh, I'm so proud of this book and really uh, love the story, love the story that God gave us. It's a God story that is just uh, so amazing. I think anyone uh, would enjoy reading the story and seeing the film as, as well. 
Yes, I would say they will enjoy it. Uh, 100% well written. You guys did a great job. Are you planning on making this into a movie? Well, I would like to. You know, it's uh, our producing partner, Paramount, uh, they they thought our movie, same kind of different as me, was a little bit too religious and cause-driven for them, and they, they just didn't get behind it and promote it. You know, the people that saw it gave it the highest rating of any movie in the theaters last year. We got a consistent 94 approval rating from the audiences. So Hollywood is so out of touch with mainstream America and what they want. You know, mainstream America loves a good old-fashioned true story, especially one that's God-oriented and God-driven. And this one is a true uh, a miraculous story that is nothing but a great God story. And go ahead. I was going to say that out of 2017, I would have to say your movie was the movie of the year. And all these movies that won the Academy Awards and everything else, if they're trash, they're trash. And they need to be called trash. You know, just like my wife said, if they have not seen that movie, I mean, it's on Redbox now. It's it's in. Uh, you can get it at Walmart. Well, and and I felt the same way. We were very proud of the film. We had the highest tested uh, drama in the history of Paramount. We were told, and and yet the new executives at Paramount thought it was too religious for the mainstream America, and so they just didn't promote it. They pulled all the advertising dollars out of it, even opening weekend and. Uh, you know, we did uh, almost $3 million opening weekend, and then they just pulled it all out, pulled it away. So it, was, it, it makes no sense except, you know, my, my, my homeless friend Denver used to tell me, if the devil ain't messing with you, he's already got you. And so, uh, in a way, we just felt like the devil was messing with this film because it's such a great story of hope and redemption. It shows the hand and feet of Christ on the streets working with people. And uh, it's such a beautiful illustration of the hands and feet of Christ. So, uh, of course, believers are going to uh, uh, resonate with this. But there were so many people that weren't believers that, that contacted us. People even came to faith through this film. New homeless missions were built as a result of this film. And lives were transformed from this film. And I, I, I dare say that anyone can sit through this film and not be moved by the story and want to uh, maybe, uh, you know, get out and do something good for, for, for humanity, for, for anyone. Just maybe one simple act of kindness. It moves people to acts of kindness. And this is what I'm so proud of in the film is that it has uh, caused uh, many life-changing uh, acts of kindness to be uh, given out to people all across America. Out of curiosity, um I noticed in the book, Denver mentioned in Atlanta when you guys were before some uh, city executives trying to help yes. with the homeless problem. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a really neat observation that he made about, uh, you mentioned in there, I think it was $100,000 they had spent on already trying to figure out a 10-year plan. No, nearly a million, Julie. Nearly oh, a million, a million Ooh, dollars wow. they had spent. Yes. Ten times, that's was a lot more. Well, um, but he mentioned that if every church would just take one homeless person and help that one homeless person through education, you know, help the, the whole bit, walk, just walk that one person through, right. that uh, their whole homeless problem would be taken care of. In these travels that you and Denver did, did you guys ever stop through 
uh, L.A. area or oh, along yes. the coast? Oh, yes. We stopped through. I was right there in that tent city in Skid Row and uh, walking up and down there. I, I did fundraisers for the homeless in L.A. We stopped and we prayed with a lot of those guys uh, there on Skid Row and, and, and prayed that, you know, God would, would bring them something. When I, when I walk the streets and see homeless people, I usually first ask them their name because that, that's the most human thing that you can do to a homeless person is to ask them their name because so many people pass them and never know their names or ask it. So I always ask their name first. And then just, you know, I just say, how are you doing today? And, and what's one thing that could happen that I could pray about for you? that would be life-changing for you. And, uh, you know, you just you kind of get to hear their stories, and even if you only have a minute to spend, you can hear, you know, some say a job, some say a home, some say, you know, a bus ticket back home. You know, I just need to get back home. And uh, so, you know, I try to uh, either be praying about or else if I can make that happen, I, I try to, if somebody just needs a bus ticket home and wants to go to the bus station, well, I'll take them down there. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but it's, it's uh, you see people on those on the streets, and and basically, the world wants them to go away. They want them to be. They want them to become invisible, you know. But and my friend Denver used to tell me. He said, you know, most people look at the homeless as a problem. He said, but God looks at them as an opportunity for the faithful to show the love of Christ. And so, you know, I have to look at them as an opportunity every time to share the love of Christ with them. And uh, that's that's the way I, I see the homeless. But the story, a funny story, I was actually praying with uh, a homeless man there on the streets, on Skid Row in downtown L.A., uh, when my cell phone rang one time, and I just happened to look at my cell phone, and it was uh, and it was the woman who now is my wife. She was calling me for the very first time after I had called her. And so I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but it's a funny story. I thought it was God calling because I had been wanting this woman to to uh, accept a date with me, and she was finally calling to tell me that she would. And so we've now been married seven years. So I was I was a bachelor, not a bachelor. I was a widower for eleven years. A, a lonely life, except for my friend Denver. He and I lived together, but he kept saying, "You know, you need you need another wife. You need a woman because you're so, such a good caregiver." He said, "You taking care of me?" He said, "But you know, you need a woman in this house." He said, "I ain't doing you no good." <laughs> so I said, "Well, I'm looking for one, but uh, that was." When I was praying with the guy on the streets of L.A. is when my phone rang, and I thought, this must be God uh, on this phone. So uh, anyway, I'm, now I was married uh, 11 months after that phone call. So that was uh, an important time for me on Skid Row. Yeah, I liked how you uh, proposed time with her as well. I thought, wow, that was dynamite. I mean, travel the world, and oh, that was that was exceptional. Uh, now, uh, my wife runs, we have a charitable foundation we call the Same Kind Foundation, which you can see it on the, on, on the Internet if you want to Google Same Kind Foundation or Same Kind of Me Charitable Foundation. But we desire to be the 911 call and fulfillment center for smaller, underfunded homeless missions, you know, people that, that have emergency needs. And we want to be able to fund those. So we're out raising money, and my, uh, my new wife, Beth, and I, uh, we run this foundation along with a man named Mark Fisher uh, from uh, 
from from uh, Maryland. So we, uh, but we tried to fulfill the needs. Like this past week, we helped a, a, a small homeless mission that their plumbing was backing up and the sewage was backing up into the mission, and they needed an emergency plumbing repair. Uh, the week before, we helped a mission that their washer and dryer went out, and they had 130 people in the mission with no way to wash clothes. So, you know, you just – when we hear these needs, we want to be able to meet those, and we just uh, – we have uh, uh, a lot of, of, of needs that we can't meet just because we don't have enough money. But um, we're actually – we're auctioning off one of Denver's original paintings. My friend Denver, if you read the book and you – and you, the first book, same kind of different as me, which incidentally was the number one New York Times bestseller, and uh, stayed on the best-selling list for three and a half years. But if you read that, you'll know that he became an artist after he moved in with me, a homeless man that could not read or write, had never been to school a day in his life. And uh, so, but I taught him to paint, and so he began painting, and and he he, he got really good at it. We're offering one of his original paintings for sale to uh, on the internet that you can go to our same kind of different as me foundation, uh, or same kind as foundation dot org, and you can uh, bid on an original Denver Moore painting, and all of that money will go to meet emergency needs for the homeless. So anyway, I'm really proud of that organization, what we're able to do with that. So I hope that. Uh, People continue to want to support, and, and you know, a lot of people just don't know how to get involved with the homeless. But it's the easiest way to get involved is to support the people that are involved with the homeless. And, uh, and that's a quick and easy way to know that your dollars are being well spent uh, because the, there's, a, there's no profit in, in the homeless ministries. And it's all, um, all the money you know, ends up being used. Uh, to transform lives of those that are homeless. So I encourage people to support any local homeless mission that's in their area uh, with their dollars and their volunteerism if, if they um, are so inclined. But people that want to know how to help, that's what, if they see our film or read our book, that's the first question, how can I get involved? And that's the way I just say, show up at your local mission. Well, thank you for that, because I never even realized about homeless missions, you know, them having emergency needs. I never thought of that before. So that's a great uh, opportunity foundation-wise. If anybody would like to contribute to that, I'm glad you gave us the information there. We'll be sure to put it on attached to this as well. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Well, I hope to see this next book go into a movie because the first one and and the information I read in your second book or the book we were talking about, Working Your Way Back Home, Working Your Way Home, I mean, uh, Uh you just did a really good job. Good subject matter. So, Todd, is there anything else you'd like to say? Well, while we were out there, in L.A., I asked a friend of mine, Will, out there, you know, I said, what's what's the deal with, with the homeless situation? And he started explaining to me, you know, he, he lives down on Venice Beach. And mm-hmm. first of all, he was kind of describing what would happen early in the morning. He'd go out on his driveway and someone had defecated right in his driveway and stuff like that because it, it's so bad with the homeless situation out there, too. But he said he started talking about this lady that everyone called crazy Mary. And so when crazy Mary was like, I think he was six years old or eight years old or something like that. Her parents put her in a sale asylum, you know, because she was schizophrenic, which you can't even diagnose that. 
at that early of an age. But anyway, so her whole life she spent in there. So 35 years later, you know, after the parents have long gone and everything else, they say, well, you're cured. And they just put her out on the streets, never had a job, you know, can't probably read or write, you know, and, and then you wonder, why are you homeless? Well, you know, somebody's got to step in and do something because when you're at that point, you need help. That is so typical of, uh, of homelessness is there's a lot of mental illness there and it's untreated because there are no services. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the mental health services were done away with by most states. They were just budget cuts. And therefore, all these people were forced out onto the streets. And so it's, uh, it is, uh, it's just the, one of the main problems there for homelessness. But this is why we say if every church would be responsible for one homeless person, um, like I did for my friend Denver. You know, my friend Denver was a mentally ill person. He was schizophrenic. He was bipolar. He was an addict and all of those things. But through the love of Christ, his life was totally transformed. He worked through those things, became a very productive citizen, and actually when he died five years ago, he was a millionaire. Uh, he had become a very a well-known public speaker, and this is an African-American man who had never been to school a day in his life, had learned to read and write when he was 65 years old, and he was honored by President Bush at the White House in 2007 for all the work, and, uh, and he helped raise more than $100 million for the homeless, and he was honored at the White House uh, for all of that. So anyway, it's a great story of hope and redemption, and, uh, and that's why I, I encourage people to, uh, that when they see our film, they read our book, they will realize that uh, they will come away hopefully with new eyes to see the homeless through the lenses of God. And they'll realize that it's not the color of our skin that divides our nation, it's the condition of our hearts. So if we get our hearts right, our nation can and will be always the greatest nation and the most compassionate nation uh, and a God-filled nation. And uh, that's what that's what we pray for, uh, for people that uh, read our books and see our film, that uh, they would want to go out and make a difference in their communities. Hey, Ron, what do you say to the people that are nervous? Uh, well... I'm not going to give them any money. I'm not going to help because they're uh, just going to use it on alcohol or, or they're just going to, you know, or they're scamming me, that kind well, of thing. Well, and, and, and they, some people are scamming you. Yes, they're, all of the above. They will use it on drugs. They will use it on alcohol. They will use it uh, to scam you. But some of them might actually use it legitimately. And But the good news is, that you give the gift and God will give you the blessing and then leave the rest up to God because God can convict people with, uh, with these, these, uh, from, from these habits. Uh, they can use the, when you show them the love of Christ uh, and you don't judge them. My friend Denver used to tell me, he said, the courthouse is full of judges. And he said, I don't know uh, why is it that all you Christians worship one homeless man on Sunday and then turn you back on the first one you see on Monday because you judge him. And he said, but the courthouse is full of judges, so don't judge him, just serve him. God doesn't, God doesn't need any more judges. He needs servants. So if you're going to come and you want to change lives, you begin serving. And he said, you know, sometimes you just got to bless the hell out of people. And, uh, and so that's what we try to do. You know, when people, 
have a lot of hell in them, we try to bless it out of them. You know, the reason my wife said that about this subject being so close to her, Julie, tell them a little bit about what your grandfather did when you were younger. Oh, when we were in, uh, he had a home in San Francisco and uh, one of those Queen Anne Victorians, which have stairs going right up to the front door. And there was a little side door. And uh, one of these days, they came out and they saw this man coming out of out of their stairs and asked him, hey, what are you doing? He says, you know, he ended up, he was living there. And, um, but interesting enough that this gentleman named Shadrach became a family friend, a part of our family. And uh, we adopted him. And ever since I can remember, he was a part of our lives. So that is wow. very dear to my heart. And, well, uh, but I never that's... thought, you know, I never thought yeah. it'd be heading this direction. And now I'm just <laughs> seeing more and more vehicles. We actually built a, a pool in our backyard. And uh, this is a long story. I won't go, to the, go through this, but um, interesting that you brought it up. The very first people that God blessed using it were these three homeless young kids traveling from Oregon and they wanted to go to Atlanta, Georgia and we're here in Texas and uh, I was on my way to revival and the Lord said just kind of prompted my heart pull over and talk to them and I pulled over and talked to them next thing you know take them to the revival and next thing you know they're coming home with me and uh the thing was the lord said three-day oasis let them have a three-day oasis and bless them and he also told me revival is messy when i read your book and just see between you and denver all that i could just kind of go oh my gosh i only had three days of this i only imagined what you didn't write and and what you had going on but uh, nevertheless it really blessed me that i thought Damn, Lord, you're just so good. Here you built this thing. You pay for everything. And then you bless these people with coming and just enjoying the whole thing. Uh, the interesting, the other interesting thing was what they said to me was this, and what you, what you said, Ron. They said they noticed across the whole United States when they were traveling, the only people that were helping them were Christians. Yeah. Yes, no, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that many, many, many times. So uh, that's what uh, when my friend Denver told me that uh, you know that uh, God gives uh, us the homeless so Christians can show the love of Christ, and so that's uh, that's a great example of that. So yeah, I thought so. So uh, nevertheless, I've really enjoyed this. I want to thank you for taking the time um, to tell us the story again, people watch the movie, read the book, and we'll be sure to put the foundation link here so that you can help further Miss Debbie's cause, Denver's cause, and your cause yeah. now with your new wife, and blessings on the both of you. Well, thank you, you so doing. much. All right. Will do. I love being on That's, your show. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap.